While mission work might be scary to some, your fear causing you to not go on that mission trip may make you miss out on the adventure of a lifetime. Let's go. Hey there, I'm Thomas. And I'm Sam. And this is the Silent Planet Podcast. Today, we're talking about mission work. We actually have a guest. It's always nice when we have guests on. Yeah, um, a little more organic and even more fun, too. Yeah, stories are always hard to beat. Yeah. Oh, yeah, on. yeah. So we yeah. have our very own uh, David James. David, how are you doing today? Doing great. Did you have your coffee this morning? Yes. <laughs> I had my, well, I had some of mine. It's over in the corner. Because it's so hot that it probably yeah burned my tongue right now. So. Well, Dave is working on some school stuff too while you're while you're home right now, right? So he he I'm sure is burning the candle at both ends to get whatever school work he needs done before he moves on to his next adventure. Right. So yeah, yeah, I'm having a great time. I've uh, spending time with uh, take, taking classes at Southern Seminary. Mm-hmm. Uh, taking a Christian leadership class, and uh, I'm getting a lot out of it. And uh, then also, though, I've been able to visit with a lot of my family members. That's uh, cool. Yeah. Now, you, you live in? Actually, I have uh, my family's from Arkansas. Yeah, okay. And so my parents are uh, from uh, Little Rock, Arkansas. And so I've been there a couple of weeks. Uh, my son's down in Dallas. I spent a week with him. That's cool. And uh, also my younger sister's in Florida. I went there and got to go on the beach and relax. And so it was, it's been good, good, uh, relax. Now I'm taking this class. That's so. cool. So you're kind of, you're kind of right now in between You're you're back for the holidays. Uh, but normally you're kind of just doing mission work left and right. Um, yes, yes, yes. I've done, uh, I'm doing work in Nepal. Uh, and also, uh, I've got opportunities in Indonesia and some other places I'm looking at in India too. That's cool. I'm and actually, uh, when you're when you're in the states too, there's groups in New York that you work with as well. Yes, yes. Uh, I uh, you may not know it, but uh, Jackson Heights, uh, New York, is one of the most diverse areas in the world. Yeah. Uh, last I heard, forty eight percent of the people there uh, were not born in America. Wow. And so when you're over there, you you're like I'm in Asia, you know. Yeah. In another world, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, so there's a lot of mission opportunities uh, in New York, and there's a lot of mission opportunities uh, in uh, many large cities in America. Here in Louisville, Kentucky, uh, there's an apartment complex not far from here that's uh, mostly people from uh, other countries. Yeah. So uh, we have a great opportunity to reach out to people from other parts of the world right here in America. That's cool. I, uh, I, I kick myself often thinking about you guys. I, I know you and, and both Sam, both Sam and, and you went on a trip to Honduras mm-hmm. quite a, a, a couple of years back, but I kick myself cause I, I kind of really wanted to go. But for me personally, sometimes the idea of, of getting on a plane and going to another, another country or, or, well, at least out of our country in general, just kind of is a little bit scary, you know, uh, for me personally. Um, but it's one of those things that I'm, I'm kind of desperate to do at some point. I just have to work up the courage and then also the pocketbook. I've got to kind of expand that a little bit too. Yeah. Yeah. It's all, it's, uh, all about, you know, doing it that first time, uh, is a, uh, kind of like the icebreaker. I, I, uh, uh, just to give you a little about my history is my, uh, grandmother, she was a world traveler. 
when she was uh, her husband, my grandfather passed away. She she traveled around the world and she was always showing us pictures. And I was fortunate when I was in high school, uh, I got to be involved. I was a, a wrestler in high school, and uh, Sam and I might have a little go at it after this. Yeah, That's there we right. go. He's going <laughs> to single leg takedown. My, my money's been, on David. He's been practicing single <laughs> leg sure. takedowns on elephants. <laughs> That's right. So oh, yeah, there's a picture. Well, actually, yeah, we'll have that posted. I, I, don't, know if, I, I don't know if I don't know if I can outsprawl an elephant. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, my money's on David. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, well I was uh, so we. Traveled to Denmark, and me and a team of, of uh, teammates, we had 10 teammates, and we uh, we got to go from city to city wrestling the uh, the best wrestlers in each city. Of course, the last city, they brought all their, their best wrestlers trying to beat us, but we were fortunate. We won every they, they, team. They match. stacked the deck yeah. for that last one. Yeah, <laughs> they brought in. They it's, wait a minute. He's not seventeen. <laughs> Some big hairy chested guy walks in. There's no way that guy's in high school. <laughs> it's called steroids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, I've I've been exposed when I was in college. Uh, I had two roommates from Colombia, uh, Javier and Jorge Bustillos, and uh, so I've been I've been exposed to other cultures, and uh, I was part of a. Uh, when I was in uh, college, I uh, was a part of a campus ministry, and one thing that we would do, Christian ministry, we uh, we st- started a movement to reach out to the foreign students, and uh, and being a friend with them, welcome into your home, and even in the in the scriptures, you know, in uh, Leviticus, um, Leviticus nineteen verse thirty four, it says, "The alien who resides with you shall be to you as a citizen among you." You shall love the alien as yourself, for you were aliens in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. And there's, if you Google that friend of the foreigner, I got like 22 verses uh, in the Old Testament. It talks about being a friend to the foreigner. And even when the temple was built, there was actually an outer room that, that would, they would welcome foreigners in into the temple when they built that in uh, Jerusalem. And so... We started, uh, so I started getting this idea, and then I was at the University of Arkansas. I just moved to the University of Arkansas, and uh, we started a, a ministry there, but things started out okay, but then they weren't going so well, and uh, when things don't go well, uh, you know, that's a good time to pray, and so I was praying and praying, and uh, I was actually uh, meditating also on the Romans chapter 4, where it talks about Abraham, and it talks about Abraham and says, I have made you a father of many nations. And uh, and I remember those scriptures about being a friend of the foreigner that I had learned. Uh, and I got the idea to go and talk to the international student director and say, and just ask him, is there anything I can do to help? And so I went there at the University of Arkansas at Fayetteville. I went up into the student union on the second floor, talked to the student uh you know, I walked in there and talked to the international student director, and I said, is there anything I can do to help? And he was like, put his hands on his head. He was like, oh, is there anything you can do? Yes. He was like. <laughs> he pulled and, out a list of yeah, stuff. <laughs> he was like, he had been, I don't know if he, he had, he had a, a bad week or what, but what happened is all these new students came, and many of them were getting homesick and stuff. And he said, 
can you just go and visit these students? There was a student from Sri Lanka, several students from Sri Lanka, which is uh, uh, south of India, uh, an island south of India, beautiful island. And uh, and so I went and uh, visited these students. I went to their room and just talked to them and encouraged them, take them to the grocery store to buy groceries. You know, they've only been in USA a couple of weeks and we started having dinners, and we started inviting them to these dinners just to welcome them. And uh, and it, it, the group started to grow. You know, we got up to about 14 students, I think, coming to our dinners. And and that was the start, really the birth of my really— Is that like a small group that you started, just like a social thing? Yeah, yeah, a dinner, you know, just having a having a dinner, you know, and having a, inviting them into our homes and letting them meet other Americans and— mm-hmm. Uh, just being their friends. and uh, I think I actually might have been a part of one of your dinners. Not that one, obviously, but like in the future, I, I know you've done a couple um, with U of L, if I'm not mistaken, because I remember you had me and, and, and Julie come out and play some music at one. Yeah. And, and yeah. you said, you, I think you were wanting us to play, just play some songs and they can be kind of Christian, but not really Christian. Then I like spaced on all of the music that we had practiced. I was like, all I know is Christian songs. So I ended up playing like four or five worship songs and, and everybody in there was kind of like, Right, yeah, I don't really know what's going on, but <laughs> this guy came up as it was really cool though. And the food I was, think that was probably at the Chinese. Uh, I, what happened? Uh, I'll kind of fast forward. Uh, well, when we well when we were doing the international student ministry, let me go back just a little bit. Yeah, no, that's fine. Go ahead. When we were, I moved to Arizona State and uh, in Tempe, Arizona, and we, I met uh, on campus. I met a Taiwanese student. And this student uh, was the president of the Taiwanese Student Organization. And so we were having our Thanksgiving dinner, our annual Thanksgiving dinner for international students. And this is the biggest one. We had over 300 people that came to this dinner. Wow. Probably 250 of them were student, international students. Who got stuck with the food bill? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we had like, I think, 13 or 14 turkeys and uh Ham, we had hams, we had, uh, I don't know how many pumpkin pies, but that was like the peak of that, that move, that time when I was involved with international student ministry. And we, mm. what happened is, uh, people in our church would host, we, we asked them during the dinner, would you like a, a host family? Would you like to, uh, would you like to visit an American family? Would you like to visit a, a, a church? You know, and so we asked these things, and those that wanted to host family, people started hosting them and bringing them into their homes. Wow! And what was so neat about it? Several of these families had children, and some of those children are actually on the mission field now, wow. uh, and uh, some in Africa. So it was like the whole church was involved, and we be, ended up having like an international student worship service once a month. Uh, our Sunday service, we said, okay, it's going to be an international service. And so we had international students playing worship music. We had international wow. students giving uh, their testimony, different things. And uh, and so what happened is uh, I ended up moving here to Louisville uh, and working uh, as an engineer with UPS and uh, started having a family and getting busy. I kind of got away from that international student ministry. But when my... Both my children, actually, uh, they left high school to college. I decided to uh, move close to University of Louisville. Mm. And so I got an apartment there that that is full of international students working on their doctorate, their master's. 
And that's when also I started meeting with the Chinese fellowship yeah. on Friday nights where I invited you. I'm pretty sure that was a, at that church. I, yeah, near, yep. yeah, yeah. And y'all came and, and funny, played. Funny enough, my first boss actually was there helping out. I don't, I don't know in what capacity um, that you all had met or known each other. Because I think around that time, it was like right right at the end of it, I recognized him. I was like, oh my gosh, this is like the, the guy who, uh, you know, reprimanded me when I was 16 for not mopping floors the right way. And so I went and talked to him for about 15, 20 minutes. It was really fun to catch up with him. Um, I forget what his name is now. It's been so long. But that was, a, that was a really good time. Yeah, there, this uh, Chinese uh, group at University of Louisville, uh, they they met at this church close to the campus on Friday nights, and they had music, food, uh, uh, and a small uh, uh, English conversation class, also a uh, get-to-know American culture class. And so it was a great outreach for the Chinese students. And uh, I actually have been to uh, China three times. Yeah. Wow. I've been to Wuhan, China, uh, four years ago, and I was actually uh, sick when I was there. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Uh-oh. So, there, there's Uh-oh. definitely some correlation. That was, yeah. <laughs> and I've been to Shenzhen. And, uh, how, many, how many countries do you, do you think you've been to? I've been to 27 countries. That's crazy. And I In was fortunate to have a job uh, with UPS, and I traveled internationally. And best job of my life. Yeah. Uh, uh, my uh, last job of my life was uh, traveling to help set up uh, airport uh, storage places for aircraft parts, mm-hmm. m- uh, mechanics or equipment and stuff. And I uh, got to go to my last project was in South Korea, Incheon, South Korea. And we built a small parts and uh, aircraft maintenance facility there. And uh, but great job. Uh, enjoyed it uh, very much. But uh, they offered me retirement, so. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you left that great job, took that early retirement so you could go full-time mission field. Yes, yes. Go on the adventure of a lifetime. Right, because yes. these uh, short-term missions weren't enough. Yeah, uh, the short-term are uh, great, and they get you, uh, you know, you get the taste, and you get to see some results and everything. But with the long-term missions, you're able to build more relationships, more long-term relationships, doing more, uh, getting to know people, and then also getting to mentor, disciple, right? Uh, raise up some leaders there. And uh, I like, uh, I got something about me, I just like to move around too. So Yeah. And uh, so uh, next year, uh, a good friend of mine inv- has invited me to Indonesia to go there and to teach and also to uh, to work with the do youth programs there and stuff. So English conversation classes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do English conversation classes uh, using the scripture, you know, because it's a what, what better English text than the English Bible. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and so English conversation, basically uh, uh, the way it works is uh, we take a, a passage of scripture and I have them read it. Uh, usually a class... Try to have a real big class, maybe three to five people, mm-hmm. and they eat, take turns uh, reading a paragraph, and then a- I help them as they're reading with their pronunciation and understanding, and then uh, we w- before that we actually do voca- vocabulary words that are in that reading, go over that, and about six to ten words, and then at the end we ask questions about the text, you know, and they have to answer in English. Nice. So then I help them to, they may have bits and pieces that I help them write a good English sentence. 
And uh, so they learn how to write, use grammar, how to pronounce. They learn vocabulary. And English is a hot commodity around the world. People want to learn English, the young people. They all, everybody wants to learn English. It's, I find it really interesting. It's like of, of all of the, the foreign people or, or people that are, you know, from outside of the country that I've ever met personally, like always love being in American culture. They enjoy it. Um, it's something that's just strange to me is people like people in my, my generation, my age, American uh, youth just hate America for some reason today. And I don't know why yeah. um, they, they, they bash on it. But I, like I said, a lot of, a lot of foreign people that I've met are very eager to be here and learn the American way and stuff like that. It's, it's cool to be able to take it around, you know? Yes. When I travel, uh, they all ask me, uh, can you help me get to America? And I say, well, <laughs> uh, can you crouch down like this and get into a bar? Yeah. <laughs> Fit I can my put, luggage. I can put, put you in my suitcase. <laughs> How <laughs> many you had to be like this for twenty five hours? Yeah. <laughs> How many successful missions have you had? <laughs> <laughs> they all laugh. They they think it's funny. Yeah. They they all many people wherever I travel, uh, I hardly ever get any uh, negative feedback. It's just people wanting and they wanting to know about America. People in the countries I go, a lot of them want to come to America. Yeah. And that's why now. Uh, you know, uh, actually, in America, uh, I've heard that there's over three hundred thousand Nepalis in America. Wow! Uh, but it, if you look at the other, you know, Indians, Chinese, I mean, there, America is, uh, you know, is uh, many a land of many nations. You know, and so you, if you have a desire uh, to do uh, missions or learn about other cultures, you, I think, probably at your doorstep, there's, you know, in somewhere here. Uh, where you live, uh, you can start doing that. Yeah. Because the way that the world, like, uh, has been, uh, you know, people moving all over the world, so. I know that uh, some of the mission, well, wish mission work that I've done, I went and helped with the uh, the Hurricane Katrina cleanup. Mm-hmm. That oh, was actually, I, and I was with you, you on that one. You were with me. All right, so I've been with both of you on mission Se- in separately, one form or another, I, separately. Actually, yeah. Not that the, the one in... Um, well, not not the one for the Katrina cleanup. It was bad or anything like that, but it definitely wasn't Honduras. Yeah, um, well, it was it was a service project. You, you had to bail regard. on that one though, because you and and one of our our mutual buddies, uh, Jason Ree, were up early Jason. doing karate. Yeah, on the, on the grass and that over there they've got Jason some- got me with a single leg. Yeah. Now now Jason got me with one of my tricks. Yeah, and and I went down with it because of course you know I was showing that we were helping show that this stuff oh, works. Sure. Yeah, right? sure, sure, sure. Yeah, no, Jason. Oh, oh he nailed Needless you. I to did. say, I had a little bit of a weight advantage. Yeah, that's true. On 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 Jason when he was what fifteen years old, sixteen years old. I think he was like fourteen. But, yeah, I think, okay, I maybe think I was fourteen. Barely, I was barely point. fourteen or fifteen yeah. myself. I, I, and maybe I'm 16. a full grown adult, and and you know, so I've I've got I've got a weight advantage, and and uh, he's using my own tricks. So yeah. I'm, you know, they work, and uh, yeah, he took he took me down, and as I went down, I put my hand right on top of a nest of fire ants. <laughs> Louisiana demonic fire ants. <laughs> they were they were the, every these were unbelievable. Was I mean, within seconds, I had fifty to sixty bites up my arm, yeah. and didn't even know it. They just shot up my arm, viciously attacked, bit 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 bit. One or two wouldn't have been a big deal, but. 
50 or 60 yeah. that you know it started to swell up <laughs> started to look, yeah it itched like crazy i had to go like lots of benadryl that sort you had of to leave didn't you no they didn't take me to the hospital but i couldn't go out the next day and oh, part okay. of that was because i was on so much of the benadryl you know i just kind of just slept sleeping. it off yeah um we're but, all sitting in the house but like, it did take me out attic. one yeah, yeah one of those days i was taken out on on uh, one of those one of those mission trips of course it was one with the kids you go on those youth mission trips, man. All bets are off. Somebody's going to hospital. <laughs> yeah, I, I got half of mine to think that he just didn't want to do any of the manual labor we were, so he just pretended to get bit. Yeah, by yeah. Me and Jason had this little deal going. <laughs> hey, Jason, see that? See that? Actually, you can't see it because it's under the grass. But there's a nest of demonic Louisiana fire ants. That's right. And uh, they, if they bite my arm sixty times, then. Uh, <laughs> And, and I don't go into anaphylactic shock, then then this will get me out of a day of work. Oh, and by the way, my arm's gonna swell up and it's gonna itch for like the next month. <laughs> Man, that was a that was a fun trip. They were they were playing all kinds of pranks on people. We would uh, I, I wasn't part of them, but I, I heard about them. People were putting um, icy hot in each other's underwear. So when they put them on, they had, like their under nether regions were you know itching and burning and stuff. It was very terrible stuff that kids do to kids, but. Either way. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, uh, Sam and I, Sam uh-huh. and I uh, met up on a mission trip in uh, Nicaragua. And actually, it was, uh, for both of us, uh, a great time. Actually, I had not been on a mission trip in many years. And uh, my pastor, uh, Ronnie Caswell, asked both of us if we would go yeah. on the trip. Yeah, and correct me if I'm wrong, but that was kind of your reawakening, so to speak, right? Because you'd been doing this, you'd been excited about it in your college years, you got into your career, doing your career. You still got to travel a lot, but the idea of mission work hits you again. Yes, like yes. like a big old sledgehammer. As we're walking around Nicaragua, going from house to house. Yes. Yeah. I had been on one mission trip uh, when I was thirty-one to Japan, and uh, we had <laughs> it was at the, it's kind of funny. We had a bodybuilder on our our uh, mission trip. He actually knew Arnold Schwarzenegger. Wow. And uh, Dennis Tenorino. Mm. And uh, he uh, had accepted Jesus Christ. And he, uh, when he did his, uh, we had him actually do some of his posing stuff. And then he shared his testimony after that. That was the largest crowd we got. In Japan, they are yeah. really, they're very athletic culture. Mm. They all like to be in some type of sport. But bodybuilding is actually was very big there at Tokyo University. Mm. And, uh but Dennis Tenorino was a great, uh, great witness and uh, uh, a great man. We had a great trip. But, yeah, I had, hadn't been on a trip in uh, probably uh, 15 to 20 years, a mission trip. And uh, that reignited. What, we ha- what happened is, uh, you know, Sam and I are both very outgoing and uh, evangelistic when you say that. Well, I, I, would, I would say I, I'd answer in the affirmative Definitely now, but that happened on that trip. Like I came back a different guy mm. than than who left. I was not, and I'm I'm still not outgoing in the sense of it, it's. There's a different context. You step out of your comfort zone. You step out of your shell. You f- discover that you have um, talents that you weren't aware of uh, when you're placed in, in, in a foreign, and this isn't sightseeing. That's another point I wanted to make is David was talking about when he's going to these places, um, and, and meeting these people who are, um, uh, uh, who enjoy 
the idea of talking to somebody who's English speaking in American culture. And, you know, you're not going to run into that when you're going to, when you're going on mission, you might run into somebody who's like, Oh, American. If you're going to like sightseeing, if you're going to like the really rich places, the the places where people are affluent and they have means and all that they have, they have the, uh, um, um, if, if they've got the same kind of wealth that we have in America, they're not quite as impressed, right? But that's not the point of mission. You're going to places that, that don't have a lot of money, they don't have a lot of means, and you're going there to help in some form or capacity. Um, so th- this is way outside comfort zone areas for, for me, someone in you know just a middle-class America setting. And, um, and yeah, I, I discovered... Uh, as I was uh, a seminary, late in the seminary process, but a seminary student, right? And um, the we had, I think, one other, one other guy with our team. They had the means to send us out with a translator. And the, it was a medical mission, too. I should throw that out, right? Yes. We're, David and I are going on a medical mission. Neither one of us have any background in medicine, but we got promoted when we were there. <laughs> yeah, I became a nurse. They gave us jobs. I became a nurse, and the nurses became doctors. That's right. That's right. Everybody I was got a promotion. Blood pressures. And yeah. Blood pressure. Yeah. Tests. So we're doing. We're doing uh, uh, again outside your comfort zone, right? And stuff that's not necessarily in your expertise. Um, but since they had the means, since the team was set up there with such an organization, and they had enough people that were. Um, able to do the translation stuff. One of the things they like to do is they did uh, other missions as well. They did construction missions. They did these like fiesta parties because it was Nicaragua, Latin America. Mm. Um, that's part of their culture. And they did these evangelistic ones. And the, and the particular group we were with really enjoy that kind of house-to-house evangelism stuff. Um, so that's what we thought just as a small group Two or three of us, me, David, maybe one other guy, and a translator would just kind of walk around the town house to house when, you know, they didn't need us at the actual medical plant. And and I stepped into a realm I never thought I would I would go into. And and it was so fast, like the bug hits you so fast. Uh I think, uh, do you remember the one uh, morning uh, after we had kind of a, I kind of had a nightmare and I, I scared everybody in our room, but that, after the nightmare. That's a great story, by the way. <laughs> I fell out of my bed, hit my head. Oh my people, gosh. You know, people that was were, a great. Everybody's yeah. face was turning white. and uh, but uh, That's fun. Uh, after that, I got an idea of. Because there are so many people, you have to think uh, different. It's not like America. In these countries, there's so many people walking in the streets. Yeah. In the dirt streets, the rock streets, walking, young people. And I thought, why don't we play this game, a game I did when I was wrestling called, uh, we called it push-up poker. <laughs> and you turn, the, what you, I heard it, learned it from Dan Gable, the great Olympic rec- wrestler uh, from University of Iowa. Iowa State. He was Iowa State wrestler, Iowa coach. And uh, the cards, you turn the card over. If it's a, a nine, uh, you do nine push-ups. And if you turn it, it's an eight, you do eight. And you just keep going. Now, the way we do it with groups of people, whoever can keep doing the push-ups, the final person uh, that's that's doing push-ups, they it's last win. man standing. Yeah, last yeah. man, yeah. While you keep flipping cards <laughs> over. And you're counting them off, too. 
So is the person flipping so cars someone, just flipping cars? No, they're like watching fl- everybody do push-ups? They're flipping or? in their county. And you have a few judges, okay. yeah. yeah. You have a few judges. And you wouldn't have believed that the street was filled with yeah. young people. Yeah. <laughs> and then I believe I turn it over to you and you shared, shared uh, either your testimony or the gospel. Yeah, yeah. You get them all together with something like... These people, uh, they're... they're um, a lot of them don't have a lot of work, right? There's not a lot of work available, and um, there's not a lot of entertainment available, right? So there's forget cable TV, internet, all that other stuff. They're just simply like whatever's going on right there in the neighborhood. That's where they're at. Right? Yeah, that's why something like uh, uh, soccer, which all you really need is a ball that mm. you can kick around, uh, does so well in those areas because you don't need a lot of stuff. You just... And, and people are looking for something to do. So something that, like, novel mm-hmm. in their mind, here come a bunch of, you know, white guys who are flipping cards over and everyone's doing – that drew a huge – a huge uh, just – from everywhere, they just from the curiosity. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> what is going on over there? Right? I can and sit they, here and, they're and counting. Just, uh, uh, one. Yeah, two, yeah. They're shouting three, it out. Right? Four. They're like, I could, I could sit here and watch um, uh, grass grow, or I could see what's going on over there. <laughs> you know, yeah. and so they come over and they come check it out, and yeah, it gives you an opportunity to say, hey, you know, this is why we're here. This is what we're doing. Um, every one of these mission events ended with an evening at one of the local churches in that particular town or village. And we'd invite everybody we made contact with to come to that event as well. Right. But, but when it was me and David and, and this, this other fella, there was a lot more immediate gospel, immediate pull to understanding what it meant to have a relationship um, and, and th- that, uh, that side of evangelism for me was new, right? I'd never done that before. And, and just, um, I can't, I can't believe how quick it went from coming from the, the context of, uh, American evangelism and feeling that sense of, okay, that's the guys on TV with the Rolex watches. That's your, uh, your, your, your Kenneth Copeland's and yeah, yeah, yeah the stuff that kind of like, oh God, I don't ever want to see myself in that realm. Evangelism is completely different yeah. when you really get into it. But that was my prejudice against it coming from an American standpoint. The televangelist is the evangelist. No, it's not. And when you get out there and really like, okay, you're meeting somebody face-to-face and you're you're just expressing your story and what Christ has done for you and the opportunity to to get a relationship with him. The the Latin American thing, the the other nice point was, since it's such a heavy, heavy Catholic influence down there, mm-hmm. you didn't have to do a whole lot of like, okay, here's who Jesus was. Like they I've never heard of Jesus. Now there are plenty of parts of the world where that's the case. And you have to build that bridge also. But they knew who Jesus was. That was, you know, the, what was foreign was the idea of a relationship. Because that's not really taught much in the Catholic doctrine and they were well aware of like the catechisms in the catholic teaching but not necessarily like reading the bible mm. so it just these ideas were were new and foreign to them and and uh, um so it, it was really successful and immediately i went home that evening and started thinking in terms okay how can i 
unpack the Bible in a succinct, coherent way, organically, as I'm having a conversation, because I never had to do that before. And I'm like, you know, grabbing the book and pulling out whatever other books I'd, I'd brought. And if I could get on a computer, just like, okay, seminary stuff, going to work now mm. in a really applied way. And the next day, I had a formula. I had a format that I started, like, working on and perfecting. That in later mission trips, I was um, teaching that formula to other people, right? Well, we had like Matthew and Lauren came on a mission trip. That one was to Honduras later, mm. and that was a training trip for some of them. I taught them that same that same series, and there are a lot of them. You've got like the Evangel Cube that we used on that particular one. Um, you've got the Roman Road. There, there are a lot of that just formulas that people have used. And the formula is not so important, but the the idea of how do you take something like a discussion about spiritual things and make it into an organic conversation? Mm. Um, because that idea, particularly from a Western standpoint, we have theological, philosophical conversations with people we know really well. Those are relationships that are usually established. You can have that kind of discussion around the dinner table. Right, with family and friends and that sort. You're meeting this person for the first time. <clears throat> Hi, my name is, let me tell you about Jesus. Right? That that feels very kind of cold and, and how do you do that organically? Yeah. Right? Uh, so that was the process that these tools are designed to do to help you, even if there's a language barrier, be able to kind of make that on like organic times, conversation. It's kind of important to make sure that, you know, when you're, when you're trying to go out and tell people about Jesus, it's people that actually want to hear about it or that are like, I'm like open to receive yeah. for instance. Right. So like the idea of taking that same format to just like a university in general, not specifically to international students, just like I'm going to walk out to U of L campus and start evangelizing. You probably get a lot of rejections. People start throwing Coke cans at you. Cause I've actually heard of well, some terrible stories, but yeah. like in general, the, the person has to want to be open to receive so whatever it is you're talking about. Yeah. I think that helps when you're, you know, from another country and you're, you know, people are more susceptible to listen. Yeah, and well, and and the discussion kind of can can deal more in the realm of uh, we are not already um, combative. Right, that's the difference. You you go on a college campus here locally, um, yeah. There's already this combative um, culture set up that oh, you're gonna you're gonna show me the right way of thinking. Well, I'm so and so, and I'm I'm at this school on honors degree, and da da da. We're so smart here in our sociology, yeah, whatever. And and you have to almost come at it from a, a philosophical. You have to come at it from a apologetic side, mm -hmm. right? Which you know I've also done quite a bit of because I'm an American, and that's how you can. That's one way you can do missions here. You know, you can still have those deep conversations, but a lot of times they start with. You're going to teach me how to think right. It's, they start combative, and then you have to actually break down those barriers, both relationally as well as show that there are uh, there are problems with the truth claims of whatever said mm. person has has the the lies that they've kind of caught themselves in, right? But th it's not like that on the mission field. Yeah, one uh, little tool that we had on that mission trip, I think, is called the God Test. And it's a nice little tool to start a spiritual conversation. Uh, basically, the first question is, do you believe in God? This is, was developed by uh, Rice Brooks, uh, 
a friend of mine in uh, Nashville, Tennessee, but it's uh, do you, it, the first question is, do you believe in God? And from that point, if they say yes or no, uh, then the next question, if it's yes, then what does God uh, expect from us? You know, and then are you, then the next question, are you meeting those expectations? And then it, there's a series of questions, and it gets you to a point of being able to ask them. Eventually, uh, uh, the last question is, uh, if you know, if you die, would you believe, uh, do you believe you'll go to heaven? One mm-hmm. of the last questions. And It's kind of like one of those answer trees, basically, you're following. Yeah. Just depending on what they answer leads you yeah. to the next question. Yeah, and they say yes, no, maybe. Uh, then you can say, "Would you like to know how? Would you like to know how you can be sure, you know, you're uh, going to heaven?" So, yeah. and then that's when you can share the gospel, share your testimony. I think uh, the two things that that you uh, on the mission field, uh, you need to know how to share your testimony. Uh, yeah, your personal testimony, how you came to Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, try to be able to share it in uh, around three minutes, uh, if it, if possible, and then. Uh, then share the gospel. You know, if those two things that we call it your story and his story. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so. Uh, Which then encourages them to be a part of the story, the much bit, mm-hmm. his story, right? Because yeah. there's your story, there's his story, but his story includes them, mm-hmm. right? This person you're talking to. It's like, hey, here's the invitation to get in on the adventure, be a part of his story as he's telling it. And and that's the 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 big thing for me was I, I think that's what hit me the uh you had talked about there's a cost that comes with missions like a financial cost that comes oh, yeah. with missions. Yeah. But comparatively speaking the financial cost usually when you're doing like when you're looking at doing mission stuff compared to say what you're going to spend on a vacation. Yeah. All right, you're going to spend a lot more on the vacation when yeah. you go sightseeing then it's going to cost to go to some village in Africa and work with some orphanage, right? Yeah. Then the biggest cost then is usually just getting there. We, we went to, to Disney Disney World recently, uh, yeah, and, and which is actually crazy during the pandemic. It was a little bit unenjoyable just because of the masks, but it's like um, everything we wanted, like all of the souvenirs and everything were so expensive the only things we could really afford were pins like little pins from disney and all the different sections and even those were upwards of 12 bucks a piece yeah so when you come back with like you know 10 or 12 pins you're already over 100 bucks in in just pins so yeah Yeah, one trip to disney might be five or six mission trips yeah short-term mission trips that you could take for a week or two weeks wherever you're going because again the biggest expense usually is getting there if you're partnering with the groups that group that's there a lot of the time they have teams already set up that will cook for you when you get there right so there's there's not a whole lot of cost once you're there to cover food and that sort of thing the biggest cost is usually just getting there Um, and I had felt after that first one that if I could instead of doing vacation for the rest of my life do short-term mission work a couple times a year that um, I'd feel like I was really part of the adventure, right? Mm. Uh, I had not convinced Mary to think the same way necessarily, <laughs> right? She she went on one of those trips to Honduras, so she saw a little bit of what I was talking about, right? 
Um, but, but she still really likes Disney, <laughs> right? <laughs> she still really likes going to the fancy places and rather than someplace where you may not have hot water to take a shower, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you may have to not put ice in your drink because you don't know what the quality of the water is wherever you're going. Um, I love that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking that's the adventure. That's what life's supposed to be about. We, we can have comfort right where we are, mm. right? Right in your own routine, you figure out some, hopefully all of us, figure out some kind of balance. You've got to get up every day. You've got to do some form of a job that you go to, right? Or school or whatever that is. Through the course of your day, through the course of your week and then the month and everything you do, there's that we find some balance thing, otherwise we can't survive, that's, that's comfortable enough that we can do that day after day after day after day, right? So then to go on some vacation where you're going to just have more comforts available to you, right? To me, it's kind of like, eh, what I want's the adventure, yeah, you know, I I want to go somewhere where it's like you feel like you're you're striving against the elements to some degree, and you're outside your comfort zone, and you're discovering new things about you and new things about the world there, that we live be, in. Maybe danger around the corner. There might be, yeah, and there there is an element to that. You very Actually, well. That brings me to have you have you ever, David? Have you ever had like a scary, like dangerous, yeah, border crossing something, moment, something or, where you weren't sure if you necessarily were going to make it out without injury or possibly even your life? No, uh, I have to say, one thing that happened when I was in Nepal one time, I was trekking. And I was going up Annapuna, and uh, I was uh, walking uh, up a slant. Uh, it was a glacier area, and I started, uh, and it it had a steep fall down, you mm-hmm. know. And I actually uh, started sliding, and I had my stick with me though, and that stick I was able to stick it in the ground. It it stopped me from sliding. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, believe it or not, we found out. If you put socks over your shoes, that your traction will improve greatly. And the next day, I did that, and it's mm-hmm. it's amazing. Interesting, two hundred percent improvement with wow. socks on the outside. <laughs> yeah, now those socks are going to be ruined. Right, but, right. Uh, yeah, it 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 they work very well, and I did that because that's I, I was that night I was still thinking about that almost falling. You know? Yeah, yeah. And uh, but as far as um, as far as <clears throat> except had, except a, when when he goes to sleep, <laughs> that's that's when that's when your life may yeah. be in danger. Yeah, right. It gets back to that bad. first first trip, right? And he's, yeah, yeah. He he didn't go down quietly, folks. When David went down, it woke me up. He took the, pot, the pots and pans with him, <laughs> and, and we're in a foreign land, that's and my funny. heart's beating. And I'm thinking, okay, somebody's killing David. Who have I got to kill? I was perched, man. Batman was ready to spring, and my adrenalines were so high after that. Like David went right back to sleep. I was up for another hour and a half. Yeah, after one, that. one of the teammates was standing next to me, and his face was white. And he said, "David, how are you okay?" I said, "Yeah, yeah, what's wrong?" <laughs> went back to sleep. <laughs> yeah, and Ronnie, uh, uh, Ronnie wasn't surprised by it either. He just kind of leaned over, David, 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 wake up, You're having a dream, huh? Okay, he went back to sleep. Right, but <laughs> what preceded that was enough that you would have thought, okay, somebody snuck in here. And, um, 
if if I don't act quick, <laughs> somebody's gonna be dead. Yeah, exactly. Our stuff will be stolen. Yeah, I'm like, all right, and I'm I'm looking in the dark. I'm like, I don't see anybody in here. How are they more ninja than I am? <laughs> it's like <laughs> he's shouting. I hear something, but the, I don't see it. Whatever it is, it's invisible. Right? <laughs> no, just David dreaming. <laughs> so it, it gets real exciting at night, <laughs> wherever David is. <laughs> oh man, yeah, I've scared a few people in my life. but but uh there was i think there was a border crossing one time when we did one of the nicaraguan trips they they went over into honduras because that same group eventually moved into honduras now that wasn't a moment of like oh god what's going to happen but that we did get stopped at one point which was not planned Mm. and they uh they actually had like a firearm. One of the guys was armed. The other one, there was a firearm underneath the the chair, whatever. And um, I heard one of them mention like, yeah, it's down there. And I knew what they were talking about. But when they pulled up to the guy and the guy had like fully automatic, whatever, it was, you know, nope, we give them money. They gave them money. They bribed whoever they needed to bribe at that moment to be able to make that border crossing without being stopped. And they weren't doing anything illegal that they should have been stopped but this was a hey pay this guy or we're gonna be here a while answering a lot of questions unnecessarily he's gonna waste a lot of our time because he can right so that was about the extent of it but yeah you could very easily you know if your mission trip's taking you somewhere like you know um i I heard uh, jim bergen who is um was the student pastor at southeast back when I was a college student, and then he started, a, uh, well, there was a church out in uh, Cala, Colorado, Flatirons, Iron, Flat Colorado, and he got the uh, head pastorship out there. So he moved out there, and I kept following him on um, podcast and that sort of thing, listening to his sermons, because I really liked what, what I was exposed to when he was here at Southeast, but they went to, like, Iraq mm. not that long ago and did, like, these like seriously like covert mission trips where you really couldn't say why you were there or what you were doing. It had to like, there had to be a, a dual purpose to it. Yeah. So you could say, here's what we tell the, the officials what we're doing. And they still do that. But then, um, then there was the gospel element to it as well. That couldn't be done in a, a public setting at all. It had to be like, in behind closed doors, shades drawn, that sort of thing. Yeah. You know, that's that's really can get exciting. But you don't have to go to that realm to just step into the step into the adventure. Just stepping outside your comfort zone, that's where it starts. You know, and you can go somewhere where they don't have the same means that you do, and you're walking on dirt roads, and you know some of the houses look like they're built with the scraps of somebody else's house, yeah. essentially. Um, it's amazing how God uh, leads people into missions, you know, and uh, that's one of uh, Jesus's main thing. He's our shepherd, and he leads us and guides us, and that's, I know when uh, my first trip to Nepal, I uh, I met a guy at seminary at Swim Point. I, I wanted to go on a mission trip, but nothing was working out, mm-hmm. and this man from India said, hey, I, I go to Nepal, and so we started talking about it, going to Nepal. And, uh, you know, I knew I didn't have a lot of extra money at that time, but 
I started looking at plane tickets, and I got a really good ticket. It was it was amazing. A round trip for eight hundred dollars. Yeah, and I knew that. Okay, that's a good sign. Yeah, and so I went in and got a non-refundable ticket. Well, what happened after I bought the ticket? The person I was talking to, he said, "Oh, we have to change the dates," and I had a non-refundable ticket with to go to Nepal Jeez. with nothing to do. Yeah. Well, <laughs> this is how God works. Uh, two weeks after that, there was four men walking uh, at my apartment and they, you know, uh, tan man. I said, Oh, where are you from? I said, Oh, we're from Nepal. I said, Oh, and they invited me to, they were having a gathering the next day, a Christian gathering. I went to that and I, I told some of the guys, Hey, I got a tick, ticket to go to Nepal with nothing to do. And they, they said, Oh, well, we know this pastor in Kathmandu, which is where you'd fly into. Yeah. That has a, a youth program after school program, helping kids with their homework and stuff. And uh, the next morning we called him. He said, "Yeah, come on." Awesome. And that was that was a trip, a great trip. And uh, but see, uh, God will lead you. He'll guide you. You just have to, you know, be, uh, you know, take that step, take that step. And a lot of times he'll he'll give you confirmation because he, yeah. he he wants to get you out there. Yeah, he'll give you that that strong confirmation. Yeah. Uh, well, and and most of the time you do it with a. Uh, uh, church team anyway yeah. now in that instance david was like no i got the means i'm doing this yeah and and he just did it so love right man. yeah dude <laughs> dude went dude went bruce wayne all the way <laughs> batman <laughs> or james bond right solo agent i think oh, that's awesome on that trip i took my wrestling gear with me yeah and the pastor there was from india and he was a he's a a second in the nation in kickboxing. <laughs> and so we, we put our heads together. We said, hey, let's have a match, Nepal versus USA. And uh, and so we had a match, and all the youth gathered around us. And then uh, I won the first match, uh, yeah, and yeah. Uh, then I gave my testimony. The next trip, when I got there, the next year I got there, he said, I said, let's have another match. And he looked at me and said, you won last time. I win this yeah. time. <laughs> is that when? Is that when he brought out his pet uh, elephant? You had to wrestle an elephant. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we had another match. So we've had two matches, and the kids love it. And I tell you, wrestling and and Sam can probably vouch for this, but wrestling is more popular in Asia than it is in America. Like the WWE yeah. and everything, yeah. they know all the wrestlers. Roman Reigns, everything they, they and uh, so whenever I talk about wrestling, their eyes get big, and and I I show them a few wrestling moves, and so they love it. They laugh, and they, yeah. They they uh, well, and and what I do too is usually something that only someone with means can study. So when you're walking on dirt roads and these kids are running out of you know essentially huts, they don't have the means, or probably there, there's probably not anyone locally who's, you know, got a martial arts dojo. This is stuff they might have seen, like a Bruce Lee movie or a Jackie Chan film, and somebody's actually walking up who can show them some of these things. Yeah, you, you use the skill sets you have, and um, um, and, and you, uh, you kind of direct those. And that was, that was a, an awakening moment for me also. Yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, the seminary training, yes, that's preparation for this. But the means to to get attention to to have kind of engagement. a venue and engagement mm -hmm. here is also what I've been doing my entire life, right? Music's an easy one too, right? That's yeah. a, that's something that they're 
they're going to want to hear. You're able to play guitar, sing, whatever, lead them in uh, other stuff, then they love that kind of thing when you're in a place that doesn't have those kind of means. So you feel a little bit like a celebrity also, but um, but the point of it isn't that it, you're sitting there thinking, why me? You know, I'm nobody. <laughs> I'm not any big deal. But I've got this venue here of all these people now wanting to hear what I have to say. And it's an opportunity to say the most important thing. And you don't make it about you. You make it so about... You better, better have something important to say. Yeah, yeah. You <laughs> make it about how you were drawn into his story, how, how you are part of God's story, and how you how anyone can be a part of that adventure, right? And, and uh, that's just... It, I, I'm glad we did this today because it got me... It get, just stepping back in that realm when I've been up. in, I've been in my comfort zone a little too long. Again, it's been too long since I've had the opportunity to do the, the, the mission stuff. And, and even just to think about that, I know I've got fond memories, but it's one thing to say, I know I've got fond memories. And then to sit here with somebody who was on some of those occasions and relive them, you know? Yeah. The, the, uh, the, the calling and the desire and the passion to do missions, uh, for me, it just never goes away, and I, I'm, I think yeah. it's the same for you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, – and it, it's amazing. Uh, whenever I get into that environment, it seems like the grace of God, uh, God's grace is, is just amazing. I, I have one scripture here from uh, – uh, it's called uh, in Psalm 67, and there's a book written by John Piper, Let the Nations Be Glad, uh, but it comes out of this this scripture, and this scripture is, I didn't get this scripture when I was younger, but as I went to, uh, on the mission field full time, I've really started reading this scripture, because it really, uh, it's encouraging. It says, may God be gracious to us, and bless us, and make his face shine upon us, that your way may be known on the earth, and your saving power among the nations. Let the people praise you, O God. Let all the people praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the people with equity, and you guide the nations on the earth. Let the people praise you, O God. Let the people praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. And so this is just a prayer, and it's just praying, let the nations be glad. God, we pray that you would let the nations be glad. And that's uh, Psalm yeah. 67? Yes, yes. Uh, well, it's a picture of kingdom, what kingdom looks like. And we think of kingdom and God's kingdom one day, we're going to be like drawn into heaven. And Well, there's truth to that, but kingdom is now, too. Kingdom mm. is here. It's supposed to be that there are, there are times, and that's what we get within Scripture, there are times when heaven and earth... In places where they intersect, and and I think you step on the mission field, you'll experience that. Mm-hmm. You'll experience a heaven earth intersection when you step outside your inner your comfort zone and you step into his adventure. Uh, those kind of passages come to life all at once because yeah. it's talking about a future, a future yeah. we haven't arrived at, but you can see a, a picture of it now at in real time. When you're sitting amongst the people on a dirt floor and you're worship, worshiping, they're worshiping in a language that's not yours, mm-hmm. right? And and uh, people are are sharing through their testimonies through a, a translator, right? And the sound system isn't the best in the world. It's whatever they could make portable, 
right? <laughs> you know, I, it, it, it doesn't matter that you don't have the drum kit and all the fancy bells and whistles. Uh, none of that. All that stuff fades away, and it's just let the people praise you. I've often, I've often wondered, and I, I think I've come to a proper conclusion on it, but like the differences between here in America versus out in, in the mission field, pretty, pretty much wherever it seems. Um, and actually I have a buddy who's, who's more on the charismatic side of things, but when you're in conversations about miracles and miraculous things and seeing a place where heaven and earth kind of intersect, um, you don't really see it often in America, not, not I mean, and I guess that maybe this is just my own experience, but I feel like it's got to do with um, the comfort level and the conveniences and stuff like that. Because America really is built around conveniences and the you know older we get, the, the more we innovate and make things easier. Um, but, but I have often kind of struggled and, and wondered why is it that we don't see some of these incredible miracles, you know, here in the suburbs versus out in the mission field? Yeah. Well, one thing too is a lot of the Asian cultures, they're more open to... Uh, uh, spiritual type things and, mm-hmm. and uh to if you if someone's having a ailment or a, or some, a, a problem that if you ask them if you can pray for them it's not so it's kind of common you know it's not insulting they believe in yeah. they believe in prayer you know a lot of it may not be praying to the god that we worship but they they believe in spiritual things so i mean they're allowing themselves to be open for something like that yeah, to happen. Yeah, yeah. Whereas here, if I was like, "Hey, can I pray for you?" And they're like, "I'm an atheist, and you've offended me and my family." <laughs> it's, yeah. So I don't identify with your God. <laughs> Good. It, grief. it was so funny. I'll give you a little testimony. When I was in Kathmandu, uh, there was a young man who needed a job, and this is during COVID. And uh, he, uh, we were. I said, "Well, let's have a." prayer time let's just pray now is there anything you would like to pray he said well i need a job and, and so we pray just a simple prayer god help him help him find a job and the next day he he one of his friends came hey david he got a job and then, then I, <laughs> I saw the man and he he That's got a incredible. really good job somebody just called him yeah you know uh, yeah, at a yeah. hospital working at a hospital which was a very good job yeah for katmandu yeah and uh but you know uh that is a great way to reach in missions is also prayer, praying, mm-hmm. opening up because uh, they really see God uh, do answer their prayer and they opens their heart to the gospel. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I should say, too, because you mentioned you get this team, this this adventure that kind of re-sparked it for David and initially launched me into this great adventure of, of mission stuff when we went. It, this was not a forest part. We were doing it alongside another church group, mm. and we were not theologically on the same page on several things. Yeah. Right? Um, they were way charismatic, like way charismatic group that we went with, and, and there's several theological points that I wouldn't... I can't help but think back on that entire experience as one of the best in my entire life. Yeah. I was doing it with um, some people that were became even closer friends in the process, but then also a team of a bunch of strangers who I didn't agree with theologically on many things. But when the kingdom of God and, and, and earth intersect and you start to see what kingdom living is like, um, there, there seems to be a lot of that stuff falls away or it just, you the, start the to see what's really important here. Yeah. What really matters here. You um, don't have time to focus on yeah, the differences. Yeah. It, you can lock towards. arms with somebody, even if they're 
you know, in, in order to uh, uh, accomplish kingdom mission stuff. Now, that is to say, you know, it's not like locking arms with someone that's like, oh, we're going to do a Mormon mission. No. <laughs> yeah, right. They, yeah. They, <laughs> they were still a Christian group, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Um, in, in every sense of the term, they just, you know, were on a different page, theologically speaking. I wouldn't go to their church mm-hmm. and become a member, per se. But, um, but none of that mattered. None of that mattered when you really step outside your comfort zone, get on uh, to the uh, mission field. It, it, it all became, no, we are a unit here, and we're unified for this adventure, and we're following Christ and what he's trying to do, um, and you see amazing things happen. So, you know, it, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be, okay, I'm going to do this, but I could, I, I'm trying to keep my comfort zone as close as I can, so I'm only going to go with my church. or I'm only yeah. gonna, I also did a mission trip with uh, Walnut Street who, you know, it's another Southern Baptist church. So that wasn't that wasn't far out of my comfort zone. It's where my parents were members. Mm-hmm. And they had gone on this mission trip the year before, and they had not had the same experience of going on to an adventure that I did because they were older. They needed some more comforts. And what this trip would mean is you are essentially going to go into the Amazon basin, and we're going to be living for a week or 10 days on a riverboat. And the guy goes down the Amazon basin and he stops at essentially hut villages along the Amazon. They have nothing in these places. And he brings them medical equipment and gospel and church, just everything. Construction, it's a little bit of everything, you know, as you do this. And, And that sounded to me like, are you kidding me? Sign me up right now. Well, they went on that, and they came back and was like, oh, it was awful. We were on this boat the whole time, and, you know, even though you're just on a river, you're feeling seasick, and the dimensions of the uh, the boat going down the stairs, for someone tall like my dad and myself, you have to watch your head. Well, dad cracked his head going down these steps every time. Mom got, like, sun poisoning one day. Like, they just, they, <laughs> they didn't have the same experience. So needless to say, the trip came around the next year, and they're like, rather than go, why don't we send Sam? Yeah. So they paid for it. They sent me. I didn't know any of these people, right? Um, personally, and it I didn't go to Walnut Street, but again, it's some of it was some of the best ten days of my life. Yeah, going on that, stepping outside my comfort zone, and yeah, it's it's just. Man, if you haven't done it and you've had the opportunity and you've thought, I just don't know, I just don't know. Maybe you haven't felt like, um, because a lot of the times they'll talk about when they're they're building their team, God will give you uh, the the vision if, it's, if you're the right person, right? And you're waiting for the seas to essentially part and the voice of God to come from heaven and say, I have chosen you to go on this mission trip. And you're like, well, that didn't happen, so I guess it's not for me. No, man. If you have the time and you have the means and you have the opportunity, take it. Yeah. Take it. I think any able-bodied person in a church that hasn't done this yet, that hasn't tried this yet, is selling themselves short and the opportunity to be there, to stand there on the ground when the kingdom of heaven and earth intersect yeah. and to be a part of that adventure. You are you are selling yourself short the opportunity to see that, to be there when that happens. And if you are, and if your eyes are open, you, you'll want it all the time, all the time. 
you'll want to go back and be on the mission. Uh, you'll understand all of a sudden what it means that life's supposed to not just be about our comforts. It's an adventure, too. We're supposed to engage in the adventure, mm. right? Also, you'll when you come back, you'll be ready to uh, serve where you are, too, and, yeah. and get involved. I know that encouraged me. I, I After that Nicaragua trip, I made a commitment to, to do two trips a year. And uh, so I started doing two trips a year. And uh, uh, back went, after Nicaragua, we went to Honduras, and I went back to Nicaragua, and then I went back to, I think, I went Nicaragua, Honduras, Honduras, and then Nicaragua at, at the yeah, end. That yeah. was my four, you know, four trip. So, uh, wow. I have another scripture here that was has been very encouraging to me out of Isaiah forty nine. It says, "I will make you as a light for the nations, so that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth." Now, this was a prophecy by Isaiah uh, to the uh, to the Israelites, but also going towards the church and Jesus Christ. Actually, Jesus is a the light to the nations, and uh, that we uh, would ex- extend it to us, to the church. You know that we've we've been made a light to the nations through through our union with Jesus Christ. Mm. Uh, we've been made a light to the nations, the church, and so uh, so it's a great calling. So for for anybody that's like listening right now, I guess as we're we're kind of closing up, anybody that's listening that hasn't necessarily taken the plunge or might be interested, um, what are your words of encouragement? What would you say to that that person who needs the the push to jump off the cliff. I would say uh, it's a it's a great opportunity. I would say uh, uh, begin praying about it. Mm, you know, you yeah. want to do begin praying. Just say God. Just be honest, God. I, I would like to do this. Uh, you know, help me. Uh, and uh, I would say uh, you know start praying about different things. Keep your eyes open for trips coming up. Mm. You know, and uh, make yourself available, make yourself available and, and possibly uh, start doing missions where you are. Mm. You know, uh, if here in Louisville, we have so many different people groups and there's so many ways you can get involved. You can get involved with international students like I did at University of Louisville. Uh, you can get involved in uh, a lot of these uh, refugee. Uh, there's communities. There's a community here that. I think has uh, a Nepali community here, not far from our church. It has, I think, close to forty homes wow. in, in the neighborhood. They kind of just started buying the houses in the neighborhood. Yeah. Well, so, they they tend to like to group together. Like uh, we talk about this country, America, being a, a mixing pot. It's not. It's more like what they would call a salad bowl. We got a <laughs> lot of different people, but they still kind of keep their own communities, mm-hmm. right? That's why you've got you go up to that particular area in New York and you can almost see it. Okay. This side of the street, yeah. <laughs> they're all from this area <laughs> and this side of the street, they're all from this area and they're only like one street apart, but yet those communities, Two completely different cultures. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, they're closer together because you know, that's how New York is, but they still tend to like stay, stay together, stay connected that way. I'd say uh, with your own personal life, you can begin reading scriptures about some of these scriptures I share, but also there's many, many scriptures on missions, and you can just start reading those, get your, in, to encourage you. You can mm-hmm. read about Paul's mission trips in the book of Acts. You know, uh, it's amazing, you know. Yeah. He, he was going through, uh, you know, he went to the northern part of Asia, and he, he couldn't, there wasn't, 
he didn't know what to do. And God said, you know, ended up, he went uh, towards Macedonia. You know, he had the dream about the man from Macedonia. Come here, come mm-hmm. here. You know, but so uh, I would say, uh, you know, reading scripture about missions, praying about it, and keeping your eyes open on where can I start. Uh, also, this is down the road. If you God puts a country on your heart, uh, the two two things you, you can do to be effective is learn to share the gospel in their language. Mm. Start start weeding away at learning that language. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, share the gospel in their language and also learn your testimony in their language. If you can learn that, mm. oh, it's a it's. I when I was in Nepal, there's a, a short term team that was coming, and a, a guy we were sharing the gospel with a little guy. Uh, uh, I, I guess he's a college student. He pulled out his piece of paper and he he was able to share his testimony, you know, with them in their language. And so that wow. that's a good good thing. Regardless if you don't if you don't know the language, at least learn learn your testimony in learn it. Learn a so few things. Yeah. Learn how to greet people. Say hello. My name yeah. is such and such. I don't speak your language well, but I want to share this with you. And then yeah, yeah. that'd be that'd be excellent. On, on that uh, that later trip to Honduras, where it was kind of a training mission, at least in my mind. And I was training some of the younger ones, uh, and we've had him on the show. Thomas's older brother Daniel yeah. was on yeah, that. Yeah. Oh man, that I think that was like the climactic point for him in his spiritual life. Yeah. Like if we could get him back to that point, <laughs> dude would be doing just fine. He got up. I remember he got up because uh, he had to. He was tasked with sharing his testimony. He was really nervous about it. And I'm like, dude, you got this. Right, you understand this? Just get up there, share your story, um, uh, engage with these people. What he gets up there and starts talking in Spanish. <laughs> he get, I said, "How did you do that?" <laughs> right? He's he his whole introduction was this like span blah, blah blah blah. He just did it. Yeah. And I was like, I couldn't have done that. That was amazing. Yeah. It was like <laughs> boom. So yeah, the, these skill sets that happen, some people are better at than others. The language acquisition part, um, the longer you're in an area, the easier it becomes. Yeah. Um, but again, most of the world wants English anyway. Mm-hmm. They want to learn it. They, mm-hmm. they understand the opportunities that come from being able to speak English. Mm-hmm. It really is kind of the universal tongue right now. And in so much as it changes here and there, the U.S. dollar also goes pretty far most places. So we have opportunities. Yeah. Just by being American, speaking English. In my uh, in my past, like I said before, I hadn't really done any mission work out of the states, but I've done a couple things here. And every single time, hundred percent of the time, uh, I wasn't from like a rich family. We weren't weren't rich at all. We were actually pretty poor. But a hundred percent of the time, when these mission opportunities came up, somebody undisclosed person from the church was like we'll take care of it. And, and I, w- I would get a phone call or my mom would get a phone call and be like, Hey, somebody has just offered to sponsor Thomas or, or your, you know, your two, your three kids and they can all go like somebody would always have the means to do it somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. yeah that's another way. If you're, uh, um, if you have the means and you know, the church is doing a mission, but you can't go or, um, you, you're afraid of stepping out of your comfort zone to that degree help somebody else go. Give, yeah, give they have to raise the money a lot of the time to be able to go on these things. So bless somebody else by saying, you know, like my parents did when uh, I got the opportunity to go to the Amazon in their stead. And I looked at it that way. I'm like, I'm going on behalf of my parents. I'm going to be worth two people yeah. on this trip. 
I'm going to be worth four people on this trip. You know, that's the way I looked at it when I, when I, uh, uh, went on it and, and bless somebody. If you've got the means help pay for some other young person to step outside their comfort zone and change their life in a real way. You want to see them come back on fire you want to see them start acting and in, in engaging in the church. You're like, I know this particular young person. They seem to have a lot of skill sets, but I really don't know that they're using them to the ability that they could be here at the church. Um, and there's a mission trip coming. And, you know, if they seem to be interested, help them go. Yeah. They'll come back different. They'll come back ready to rock the house. You know, that, that you, you can't help but that happen. When you step into the adventure, you get the bug. You, you don't want to leave it, yeah. you know. It's well, like waking any, uh, up from a deep sleep. Any closing thoughts, David, or anything uh, you want to leave us with for the uh, the viewers? Yeah, I would just uh, want to thank you all for this opportunity to be on the the, sh- the show here. And uh, I think, uh, yeah, the, I've never heard anybody say, uh, I wish I didn't go on that mission trip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, sometimes there's struggles and stuff when you're on the mission trip but i never it's always so such a blessing you get you're more blessed mm. uh but you you are a blessing to the people over there too and uh, but you you're so blessed and you're so uh it's just yeah i love it i mean i've i've i i, I want to go to as many countries as i can go to yeah yeah <laughs> well you got like you got 26 countries on me so yeah yeah <laughs> Well, anyways, uh, thank you all for listening. David, thanks for joining us. Yes, David, thank um, you for this. This was fun. Yeah. If you all enjoy the podcast, uh, like and share us on Facebook. We're on uh, Spotify and Apple Podcasts and a whole slew of other podcasts I don't feel like mentioning right now. So, um, but yeah, listen to us and share us with your friends and family. Once again, I'm Thomas. And I'm Sam. And this has been the Silent Planet Podcast. We will catch you all next week.